leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. of women's reproductive health represent a growing worldwide concern, but it remains an area of unmet medical needs. Obziva is advancing a late-stage clinical pipeline with development programs focused on treating endometriosis, uterine fibroids, preterm labor, and improving IVF outcomes. We spoke to Ernest LeMay, CEO of Obziva, about the issue of women's reproductive health, the company's lead therapies in development, and the plan for commercializing its products. Ernest, thanks for joining us. Yeah, sure. Thank you for hosting me. We're going to talk about Obseva, women's health, and your efforts to develop medicines to address reproductive health. Why focus on women's reproductive health and pregnancy? What's the opportunity? Yeah, there are two uh, answers to your question. The first one is that I am an OBGYN gynecologist by training, and therefore it's a therapeutic area uh, for which I have for a long time some medical interest and therefore feel comfortable to bring innovation in that field. And the second one is because um, the large industries, large companies, have really uh, left uh, this field of women's health for most of them, and there is a huge need. Women currently are obviously focusing on their education, studies, university, career. And then when they reach their 30s, they are facing a lot of conditions which are impairing their quality of life or their professional uh, aptitude or even their emotional aptitude with infertility. And we see that as a growing problem in our society. There there has been some concern that from a, a global perspective that women's reproductive health has been ignored. How has the pharmaceutical industry done, by and large, addressing issues of women's reproductive health? Indeed, the industry has uh, left abandoned uh, innovation in women's health uh, at a time where uh, people have, are speaking so often and rightly about uh, women's rights, women's professional achievement, and women's professional opportunities. And um, this left vacuum, this left a space where small companies like Obsiva has the opportunity really to innovate and bring uh, breakthrough treatments. You started Obsiva after successfully building and selling Preglem, uh, a reproductive medicines company you sold for $500 million. What did you learn from that experience that's resulted in anything you're doing differently with Obziva? 
Yes. Um, I did Pregram after working for 10 years in a large company which uh, was focused on infertility. So I really learned the job on both on this initial uh, uh, period with Serono and then uh, with Pregram. Uh, what different would be that um, uh, we have a larger pipeline in Obsiva compared to Preglem. I think Preglem's success was really based on a single drug, which, by the way, was successful, uh, but it was more risky. Uh, we have here in Obsiva uh, three drugs, the clinical stage of development, two of them being in phase three, and one of them having already successfully completed phase three. So I think the the lessons was certainly uh, to uh, balance the risk and have a larger portfolio. The second thing I learned was probably to also uh, be even um, more effective in selecting people working in the team, and I built on my experience to recruit uh, the uh, right people. Well, among the right people, you've got a, a CSO and a CMO who are part of the Preglam team. What kind of advantage is that to have a, a team that's worked together before and, and been successful at bringing a product through development to approval? I think this is important because um, people say when you recruit somebody, you have one chance out of three of recruiting the wrong person, one out of three to get the right person, and one out of three to have an outstanding person. So I think that beyond the technical skills, you need also to have the personal skill to work with you and to have the same culture or the same way to work. And therefore, I think having seen people with whom we work well and efficiently uh, was obviously an advantage for Obsiva. When we talk about reproductive health, what's the range of conditions that includes? Yes. These are a range of conditions which are affecting women frequently. I mean, we are talking about infertility, 10% of the population. We are talking about endometriosis, 10% of the population. Fibroids are so a large proportion of patients above 40. And preterm labor, again, 8 to 10% of the population. So there are conditions which are not life-threatening, but are really impairing quality of life and the performance of women in the period between puberty and menopause, where they are the most professionally active. You mentioned uh, infertility, 10% of the population. My, my impression is that this has become an increasing problem uh, from a global health perspective. Is, is infertility worsening, and is there any understanding of what's driving that? Yes, I think that you are very right. Um, the main issue is the fact that uh, woman delay the age of first pregnancy. Um, 30 years ago, the mean age of a first pregnancy was 22 years old. Now, in large cities, it's probably 32 years old. And the woman fertility start to decline at the age of 30, and the decline accelerated at the age of 37. So we are facing a, a society issue. Uh, it's not medical issue in the sense that there are more disease leading to infertility. It's a societal issue bringing a period of life where you have a higher probability of infertility. And that's true worldwide. We see that in U.S., we see that in Europe, we see that in China, now we see that in Japan. So, yes, the problem is there and has to be addressed uh, medically when possible. Your lead product is 
nilosaban, which is designed to improve the success of IVF procedures. What is nilosaban, and, and how does it work? Yes. So nilosaban is an antagonist of the oxytocin receptor. So it's blocking the receptor for oxytocin, which is a natural hormone driving uterus contraction and reducing blood flow in the uterus. By antagonizing that, we make the uh, uterus more relaxed, quiescent, with a better uh, perfusion. And that's important to help the embryo to implant. Nolaziban is administered orally four hours prior to embryo transfer. And what we have recently reported was a positive phase three trial where we saw that giving nolaziban compared to placebo four hours before embryo transfer was improving the chance of going home with a baby by 35%. And what's the path forward? When might you seek regulatory approval? Um, The path forward is that uh, we are uh, planning to submit uh, an NDA in Europe by end of next year, and we are currently talking to the FDA to uh, agree and clarify with them the path forward. Any sense on the potential market for this? Yes, definitely. Currently, um, the market for infertility drugs related mainly to IVF exceed $2 billion. Um, we have not yet disclosed or discussed the price of nolaziban pending confirmation of uh, efficacy and registration. But we have to realize two things. The first is that we are going to reduce the number of IVF cycles required to go home with a baby. And an IVF cycle in the United States costs between twelve and 20000 US dollars. Two, CDC is telling us that up to 50% of IVF cycle in the United States where there is an embryo transfer, the uh, replacement of two or more embryos is performed to increase chance of success. But there are a a price to pay for that uh, uh, multiple embryo transfer. It's a high rate of twins pregnancy between 20 and 40%. And that has an adverse impact to pregnancy, preterm delivery, NICU, and so forth, and it's extremely expensive. With our drug, we can achieve with single embryo transfer what can be achieved with double embryo transfer without having this risk of a multiple pregnancy. At least it reduces from 20 to 3%. And therefore, in terms of pharmacoeconomics, it's not only reducing the number of cycles, but also promoting single embryo transfer and avoiding the huge expenses related to multiple pregnancy and preterm delivery. Uh, a second product you're working on addresses endometriosis. What is endometriosis? Yes, it's a very common condition, which uh, often is not very well known in, in the public. Uh, the endometrium is the inner layer of the uterus, and these inner layers grow every month, and if the woman is not pregnant, this endometrium is shed, and that's the menstruation. Now, in 10% of the population, for reason which is not very clear, uh, these endometrial cells migrate to the abdominal cavity and implant on the ovary, the peritoneum, the uterus. And that means that every month during menstruation, this endometrium lesion 
bleed within the abdomen. And that leads to inflammatory reaction, pain, adhesion, and infertility. So the main objective for treating the endometriosis is first to treat this uh, very uh, pain, very painful uh, situation where women have pain during menstruation, pain outside menstruation, pain during sexual intercourse, and therefore are really impairing their quality of life. Beyond, uh, beyond uh, the, the really debilitating pain, you have also the infertility related to endometriosis. How is it treated today? Uh, currently, the, the first-line therapy is what we call oral contraceptive, so the OC pill. Uh, why? It's because it's reducing the menstrual flow, and therefore it's uh, partially alleviating uh, the pain related to this uh, uh, menstrual flow in the abdominal cavity. What we know is that at least 50% of women are not properly controlled by OCPL. Then you have the surgery, but surgery is invasive, and the surgery does not prevent recurrence, and there is high rate of recurrence after five years. And then you have the third option today, which is to give the drug like Lupron, where it's a drug which is using prostate cancer, for example, which is fully suppressing the ovarian activity. It's like a menopausal status. It is effective, but it takes some time to be effective, and it's associated with all the side effects of postmenopausal conditions, which mean hot flushes, uh, osteoporosis, and so forth. The beauty of this new class of generation antagonists is that you can partially suppress the estrogen without going to a level of suppression which has all these uh, drawbacks in terms of menopausal status. And this concept of partially suppressing estradiol has been nicely confirmed, and in uh, July we report our phase 2B where we see that with a dose which is partially suppressing estradiol, we have very good results with more than two-thirds of patients responding in terms of pain reduction, not only pain reduction during menstruation, but also outside menstruation and during sexual intercourse. What's the clinical path forward uh, for OBE 2109, your endometrius drug? Yes. So we are developing in it in the endometriosis, but also in the fibroid indication, where the problem is more heavy menstrual bleeding. And we are in phase three currently uh, for the fibroid with uh, the objective to report on the primary endpoint by end of 2019. For endometriosis, we recently completed phase 2B, and we are currently interacting with the FDA to see the, 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 the path forward, knowing obviously that we will have uh, to conduct a couple of phase 3 trials starting early next year. What's the business model for Obsiva? Do, do you expect to bring these drugs to market on your own, or will you be seeking partners or, or even a, a potential buyer, as you did with Pregnant? Yes, it's a very good question. I think um, the beauty of uh, our portfolio in Obsiva is that uh, both options are open. So far, we kept all the rights on the on, on the on the company uh, product because we did not want to have an initial. Uh, uh, agreement which is not needed where properly financed and would let it go at a value which we think is not sufficient at this stage. Now, can we build a commercial organization? Well, no Bank, the IVF product is going to be the first to the market. And what is interesting that we have no competition. We don't change standard of care. 
and we are addressing a limited number of units, like 500 units, for example, uh, in the United States, and maybe eight or 900 in Europe. That means we could build a sales floor which is lean for commercializing by ourselves. There are, however, two exceptions to that. First, we are looking for partnership in Asia. And two, it's true that when Lean Zagalix will come to the market, this is another question because it's addressing a much larger number of gynecologists. So, step by step, we are preparing for commercialization of Nolaziban, and we will keep the option uh, open for regional or global deal later on when Lean Zagalix will be close to the market. Ernest LeMay, CEO of Opsiva. Ernest, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks a lot to you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.